right. What is up, everybody? We are on episode 11, 12. 12. 12. Shit. Episode 12 of In the Weeds. And as you can see by the room we're in, we took a nice little stroll up north to L.A. And couldn't think of anybody else to have our first remote off-site podcast with than our good buddy, Mickey. Mickey, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, of course. What an, what an honor on the road. And on the road, and he's the first guy that on the road, he puts me in the gym this morning <laughs> and uh, thought we were going to get a, a, a light little sweat. <laughs> and next thing I know, it was, it was a good hour and a half, two hours yeah. of uh, full-on boxing, hit workouts, running down the alleyway. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that too. No, thank you for joining. You held it down way better than I did. That's for sure. <laughs> it will had up. to make up for the whole team. We, right. We were off doing other business. So, uh, I'm, I mean, <laughs> driving up at 5am this morning, I was doing the head bobs. I'm like, how am I going to get through a workout right. and then a podcast and then your show tonight. Right. But, uh, I think that did it. That are the two bangs. One, one right. I was <laughs> hoping he didn't embarrass us over there at the gym. No, oh, he I, held it down. I think, yeah, right. no, he held it down. It was a good workout. And it's funny because I kind of downplayed who we were kind of working out with and, um, you know, shout out to my boy, Hino. he, he works out, you know, a plenty of people, but you know, standouts would be like, he was on Kevin Hart's documentary and right. he's like. Drake's main guy. So, uh, shout out to him for, for uh, making some space for us this morning. Yeah, and he doesn't tell me that till we're walking out. Right. Le- legit, we're walking out. I'm like, hey, that- he was really fucking nice guy. Great workout. And uh, and he gives me the background on him. I'm like, not that it would change anything, but that he made time for us was pretty pretty great. Yeah. And, that, and the boxing gym he's at, it's like the old school, like gritty L.A. fucking boxing gym. So it was rad. Yeah. It was rad. That was really cool of him. Um, but that aside. Yes, sir. We definitely want to jump into, I think we've all been excited because we've gotten to know you over, over the years working together. Yep. Um, and I, I told, I told Mickey a little bit about the show, what we focus on. And, uh, I think Alan and I know what, uh, the empire you're building out here, but I think, uh, as in the weeds does, we want to go back and, and talk about just yeah. getting the empire started. Um, the early, early days before mag park before belly buckets before, <laughs> before the djing everywhere in town right, yeah um and i guess for me this is, this is going to be fun because i don't know a lot of that story and yeah. uh, i'm excited so I, I i guess are you first off are you a california born and raised local? yeah so born and raised in la mm-hmm. um echo park is uh where i was born specifically when i was about five years old moved to the san fernando valley um that's where i met danger zone uh shout out right. to, to danger Joseph Aberdeen Hampel, I'm gonna put that out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's my brother and half of the Mickey D show. Uh, but yeah, so I met him um, through the park and rec system, uh, you know, playing hoops and uh, baseball. Baseball was cool, it didn't last long because, you know, the pitches weren't really that good. And so you, you're not trying to get hit at mm-hmm. 10 years old, you know, it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was it PTSD? So, like, you're just like, I'm good on that. Uh, but I fell in love with basketball, uh, and that's really what kind of took over my, like, young part of my life. Um, went on to, to high school, played, uh, you know, a couple, three years at uh, Van Nuys High School nice. in the Valley. Uh, shout out to Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I think she's our standout <laughs> al- alum. Uh, she held it down like a typical Valley girl. And uh, from there, I my senior year, I made this, like, probably – the bigger decision of my like young uh, life, which was I transferred my senior year. And so uh, that created a lot of issues with my, some of my best friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had our clique, we had our crew uh, that 
also became my first business. Um, I started a clothing line with them when we were 17. Why'd you transfer? Uh, so I transferred for basketball. Oh, okay. um, uh, Danger actually recruited me. Really? Uh, because in the three years I was at Van Nuys, we didn't win a single varsity basketball game. And I was just like, yo, a like, game? not a game. Yeah, I, well, regular season game. Maybe it's they want demoralizing. Wanna, yeah, that's tough. yeah, it was rough. You know, like, <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, you want to stick it out with your boys and you want to figure things out. But um, I felt like I got slighted a little bit when I got hurt my junior year and um, didn't get an opportunity to really do my thing. And so at that point, uh, Danger did hit me. He was just like, yo, like if you want to come over. You know, you want to come to uh, death row. <laughs> he, goes, <laughs> yeah, he gave me the shake nice speech. And, um, you know, the coach over at, at Polytech, uh, shout out to Coach Katz, he, he gave me an opportunity, went in there, uh, really talked a lot of shit to me and uh, inspired me to, to give him my best and went in there, um, you know, senior year. And we were like a game away from like the, the like regional championship. Um, so it, it was yeah. a nice feeling mm-hmm. other than losing all the time. Um, and I did that, you know, just to, to really make a, a different, I don't know, just try to go a different path in my life. And the only thing that was really tough about that, that like process was, you know, I love my parents they are great, um, role models for me, but I had to lie to the city because there's this like, like rule that you'd have to skip a year. You'd have to sit out a year mm-hmm. if you just transfer just to Even transfer. In yeah. In high school too. Damn. So they try to regulate it. So mm-hmm. my junior year. We had a ton of transfers come from Canoga Park, which is another local city. Um, and they all, like, like had some sort of lie to, like, not skip a year. So then the lie that they put on me was I had to say that I witnessed domestic violence at home. And, like, yo, <laughs> I, with all due respect to, like, anybody who's going through that tough problem and those emotional issues, like, I, I get it. But, yeah, my parents are not that. Like, or my Wait, so, and they. They and they played it. along. They signed off. They had a like, they, you know, it was like, yo, do you want to play ball? Like, cool. Like, do it. Wow. And so was was the idea, though, to, to play beyond high school? At the time, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I was, I was be, all right. Yeah, yeah. No, I was definitely. <laughs> and that's dedication. I definitely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, yeah. And, like, if I if I knew the, the basketball system the way I do now, right, like you how you watch these kids on mm-hmm. social media and everything else, like I would have played way more AAU ball. I would have, like, got, you know, more looks, if you will. But yeah, so like for the high school side of things, I had to like make that up and which then I had to have a new guardian. And so I even switched oh my, my guardian, God. you know, and try it. You know, and in the Latino household, like you're not trying to, you know, you're not trying to like offend your real godmother. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yo, my bad, you know, like, but we had to do what we had to do for paperwork. So uh, legally speaking, my last guardian is actually Danger's mom. Uh, shout no out to way. Kathy Hample. Yeah. So I like wow. technically lived with her to be in the area wow. uh, to transfer to school. And so senior year I transferred. Um, it was, you know, it was worth it. <laughs> uh, second semester, you know, just, I don't know. I, uh, oh, this is another fun story is um, I did have a fifth period computer class in the second semester. Right. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm like, obviously no sixth period. I was all done with school. Um, and for the sake of like, I don't know, not not trying to compare or downgrade poly, but, like, they put me in this, um, what is it, tracks is what they used to have. I don't know how it works now, but we used to have, the, like, different tracks, and each track had kind of, like, different skill level, mm-hmm. either kids or classes or whatever the case. So I was, in a, it was, I was in a math and science program at Van Nuys, and, like, it, like 
the kid with the lowest grades there is probably getting accepted to Berkeley. Like Damn. that's the level mm-hmm. of education that, that they would put you through. And then when I went to, to Poly, it was like one, it would maybe make it out to sure. like, to like a night, a good school, if you will. Right. And so, um, so really all my classes were super easy. I was like way advanced on that. And then, so second semester, I, w- I didn't really care for fifth, like fifth period. I wanted to just ditch at lunch because I had a car mm-hmm. and go visit my friends at their school. <laughs> Such a rogue, like rebel, right? <laughs> and um, so for my computer class, I told the guy, I told the, the teacher, I was like, yo, like, I'm not going to learn anything from you with all due respect. Like I was, I was a real computer geek and he goes, no, you have to be in class. I said, okay, well, how about I hack the entire server and the system at the school and we call it even. Get out. Yeah. And so then, <laughs> you know, they had a firewall. They had all these yeah, things yeah. set up. And um, I just spent, like, one class in there and, like, did some things. And I was just like, let me know if you want me to go more. Like, go deeper. Get and then the he goes, out. you're excused. I'll give you a, I'll give you a B plus. And I was like, I'll take it. No way. Yeah, yeah, Because I didn't care about the grades. Like, I, I was like, you know, I was like. So it was fun. So that's like that was my first kind of, you know, experience trying to like finesse some things, and uh, that led me to bootlegging video games, and eventually that whole like LimeWire Napster yeah, era, yeah, yeah. which led into like making CDs and stuff. And that's probably my first real experience to like curating music and downloading like the newest stuff, and like you know handing them out school and yeah, you know yeah, whatever else. <laughs> yeah, the first like wholesale retail experience. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and that all went aside with as well as like our crew um, that we started the clothing line. So the clothing line, and by clothing line, I mean one T-shirt in one color and mm-hmm. one design, <laughs> and you make like two hundred and fifty of them because that's what the the printer tells you if you don't know what you're talking about. And it's so funny looking at it now because I would never, even with the huge like with the big brand that we've created at Mag, I would never make two hundred fifty shirts of the same color and the same size. Like it just doesn't make sense you know and so we're i'm this kid like spending i don't know two grand or something like that of of, like money saved up and to make this this clothing line um which was at the time it was rbc um which that was our click and the click stood for this is bad now because it's sensitive but uh it stood for rice beans and cracker You're so lucky this was back then. You would shoot cancel. That would not fly today. Cancel on site. Grand opening, grand closing. Era, for sure. But even then, even hey, do you still have any RBC clothing? Okay, so the the stuff we printed. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking for so that. Living tea now. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and get one of my friends. I'm sure they have the artwork. But what what we eventually put out? Because even then, I knew that yo, this is like it's borderline. This is, this is really sensitive. You know. So I flipped RBC into Relations Beyond Color. Mm. And so same kind of concept. Who, who but was your PR firm on that, man? <laughs> this guy, that's, a, that's a nice flip. Yeah. So that's I was, solid. And I still remember I was driving and I was on the phone with my boy. And I was just like, yo, like, I think we could flip RBC and really do it. And so we came up with Relations Beyond Color. And it was like three heads, like, on a shirt or three faces uh, outlined with, like, two, like, different shades. Mm-hmm. And, um... And so yeah, so we made that shirt, and uh, it's kind of the same, a similar meeting in the in the, th- yeah. in the three words. Yeah, I mean a lot more political way, you know, like the other way. Yeah, I think I haven't said that story in a long time because of that reason. But that's really know. funny, and I've I have like a thousand questions right now. <laughs> I wasn't even I'm going all the way back to like hedging deals with your your fucking computer teacher, right? Oh, God, also, man. just 
just a no. We don't condone that first name. In the weeds podcast. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no that's uh, no, that. But that he's right. That, that actually turned out for the better. I guess. Yeah. No, I inspired to to do that, and and we did the shirt. It was a flop, of course. Like you know, there's only so many friends I could sell to, right. or you know, I ended up like trying to sell the last I don't know 100, 150 at like five bucks a pop, and um, you know, it was just like one of those times where it really served as a as a lesson you know um every failure is a lesson as long as you pick the pick out what it is and i like to think that that eventually inspired the next kind of generation because my brother ended up having a clothing line my little brother and he watched me do that and follow my face and took it and and decided a different business model for himself when he went to college so um yeah that's kind of was uh social media a tool at your disposal you at that time, that time it was probably what myspace mm-hmm. um was was going on um if anything i was like that guy that would like custom create like html like you know the coding right, yeah. our first intro to coding um and uh, but not really i think i remember vaguely setting up a rbc uh myspace page uh-huh. um and and yeah i think that was just as about as far as i went but i didn't did really you, did know you how to use it the the computer stuff like are you self-taught are you just uh, messing around uh it was a lot of so my mom has a little bit of computer background um and i would also just basically like read books or like mm. pick up with the in the math and science program mm. um at van Nuys high like you, we had a lot of different advanced things it's funny my and still to this day i'll play this game but like the, the reason i was able to type so fast too is like there's this super mario brothers game where you gotta like type sentences and like to like get to the princess. Yo, it is the shit. Like I'll I'll play that now. Like, <laughs> like but it's just such an easy way to like get your mind off of like the work side of it mm-hmm. and wanting to like like win and like and so yeah, so that's how I, that was like my first like computer experience. And then after that, uh there were a couple classes that taught like general coding and, mm-hmm. and different things like that. And then obviously like doing research. That's interesting. Yeah. I, f- I feel like uh, because you obviously own started businesses, run business for a while now. Yeah. Um, that that was almost like an early look into, even though, it, I mean, it does have a bad, now looking back on it, the transferring schools, how you did it. Yeah. And then even the, the deal making with the computer teacher. Yeah. But it was creative deal making. Yeah. Which in like running a business, starting a business, you hit, a, you, there's a lot of times, a lot of times you hit a wall. Yeah. And what can make or break is if, if you can get through that wall, sometimes you got to go around the wall. Yeah. And most people will just stop at the wall. Yeah. And, and to be that young and be like, most, most kids would be like, I'm a junior. This is the rules right. and the story. Right. Now, was it a little bit of a twisted story? But ultimately, <laughs> so, yeah. ultimately looking back, it was what you really, really wanted, which I love. Yeah. You know, because the alternative was stay at the school and continue losing. Yeah. And same thing with your your, your teachers. Most ki- most kids would probably do some really fucking terrible um, or suggest terrible ideas, but you were really practical. Like, hey, I do this, you give me this. Right. But that's an early look at at, at growing into like and starting businesses. And I'm and I'm sure now too with where you've gotten business, you, you hit those walls all the time. All the time. So there's a lot Every of times day. where like like looking back, like man, that was just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. You know. And right now you gotta you gotta uh, stay nimble. Yeah, but that's that's crazy to be so young and to to have that uh I guess ingenuity or like creative. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, it, I mean I think all those different experiences, uh, 
you know, whether it's, it was through school or, or out of school, I think, um, there was constant challenges or things that, like you want to do versus like what you need to do. And then, you know, figuring out what that really is. And then I think the only difference even like fast forward is probably just, I'm not as emotionally invested into the, the want, right? Mm -hmm. Like very early on, it was like, yeah, like you, you'd still try and figure those things out. And I think that just came from like observing my dad kind of move the way he did, you know, his hustle was very much, I mean, man, um, it's funny because without going too far forward, recently we had a pop-up at um, the Century City Mall, which is adjacent to Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. And I used to spend tons of time with him in that, that area, you know, whether it's visiting work or whatever, he was a valet driver at the Century Plaza Hotel really famous hotel. I, th- I think it was on one of those, I forgot what die hard or something like one of those movies, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's an iconic hotel. And, um, he would, he would take a bicycle like from work to home. And like, it was like a 20 mile ride, like through the Hills and like, yeah. just like man up while coming back. And then eventually like taking real estate courses to get into the, the real estate world. And, you know, he, he, I would just wa- watch him grind it out, you know? And, um, it was the reason I brought up the pop-up is because for me, knowing that, you know, he did that grind and busted his butt. Um, it, that hotel was literally on the same block as my pop-up. That's great. And then being back there where he was like, literally, you know, probably like at the bottom of the, the line of employees, but like, definitely like not near, nowhere near the top. And then being able to own a space there. And that's the same hotel where my parents met. So it's just like one of those things where it's like it helps kind of get full circle. Mm-hmm. So that, that's actually a question we always ask is were you in like a uh, entrepreneurial family or what was what was your mom and dad typically growing up? Like what did you yeah. observe? So um, lots of hustle in the fam. Uh, my dad is like the – super chill, laid back, um, you know, things will get done, uh, full of faith. And, um, so that's kind of my, my balance part of, of the things. My mother, um, who is amazing, uh, she's Salvadorian. And the reason why that's important is because Salvadorian people in general are very, um, how do I put this in a nice way? Think passionate. There you go. Yeah. Passionate. <laughs> um, they're very, uh, you know, they they know what they know what they know, and and they'll stick to it. And so I, I've watched her at, at the smallest things, you know, whether it's returning an item at Ross or, you know, getting a business deal done. Um, she was very animated about things, and uh, she was she was a true hustler, and she she did her grind. Um, it's funny because one of those things that I took for granted for a long time and I'm grateful to stop my parents here. You know, not everybody does, but was asking those questions. Like, mm-hmm. how did you, how did you even get here? Right. Like as an immigrant um, generation, like what was that struggle? And like, I, had, I learned that like my mom was in school and her dad was in the military and there was like a civil war uh, essentially between the government and um gangsters if you will or like a certain group of um uh rebellions Mm -hmm. and they knew that she was the daughter of a military general and literally they attacked 
her school, her high school. Because of her? Not because of her. It was like a, a group of them. And so what they were trying to do was infiltrate the high school and convert people into the mm. the the rebellion. And this is literally something I she, learned she was like a couple of weeks ago. She was, I think, 15 or 16 wow. or something like that. And she literally p- painted out the picture of her having to, like, run out of the school, jump over a wall, fake, like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm with you, like, but not, you know. And then, like, she was like, yo, like, I'm not going to survive being here. Like, they're trying to kill everybody. Like, and so that was uh, the one of the main reasons why she had to, like, leave mm-hmm. the country. And um, so it was crazy. So she left young. She left young, yeah. Wow. And so. How old? When did you find that out? Did you ask when you were young? Or no, you I literally, crazy? this was like this past Christmas. Like, yeah, I was just like, you know, trying to get like. That's a big deal. Yeah, huge. You know, and and I was talking, you know, same thing. I was, I was talking to my uncles and like, you know, I found out two of my uncles were captured, you know, at the border. And um, they, but like by Coyote, you know, the Coyote guys or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like they were put on the news as missing and that's how my, one of my other like uncles found them. Like it was weird. Like, yeah, yeah. And so just really like doing the research to the history of your family. Like it meant a lot to me to understand like the privileges and the platform that I've been given through them, you know? And so I think that helped kind of motivate a different Did you have side that of things. Was that like a, did the immigrant um, impression or was that kind of like part of your, did you feel that as a child? Like, was it part of your household, um, your family culture? I don't think I really felt it until like, I, I, there are a couple like standout spots, like, like moments that were my dad, you know, he was, um, he's a realtor. Uh, I think, gosh, what year was it? It was probably around when my brother was born. It's like 1990 ish. Mm-hmm. And then I remember showing a house to this gentleman um he's american and he he's like talking to my dad and my dad doesn't have an accent but he has like you know you could like you have mm-hmm. like a little hint mm-hmm. and um he taught then the guy talked to me and he's just like wow you don't have an accent and i'm like what am i supposed to sound like speedy gonzalez like <laughs> like i was just like yeah, i was like yeah. i was like old enough to be offended like or i was just like what do you like you know what do you mean and um and you know those those moments stand out but i think I think again, like we, my brother and I were protected from those, those conversations and just, you know, taught to have patience and understand that like, you know, the the world is the way it is. Like you can't control how others view you. You can just control how you put yourself out to the world. So just continue to be, you know, the best you can be. And at the end of the day, just don't be a dick. (laughs) So has that changed? Cause I imagine hearing that now from your mom, uh, has that opened up a new, like, set of questions or conversations or your guys' relationship because now finding that out, I would immediately like, mom, I got, I have a lot I want to ask you now. Yeah. You know? No, it definitely led into this like long conversation more into like her details, like, you know, her sisters and, and her brother. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I'm, I'm getting to that age where I'm really starting to like ask the questions. Like I want to figure out why certain people around me react the way they react. Mm-hmm. And then what did they go through? And, um, you know, a lot of those conversations aren't easy. You know, it's not like you can just be like, hey, why, you know, why do you have these trust issues or why do you have this? Like, and I think, you know, I'm just learning to find out how to ask those questions step by step, you know, and then figure it out. Do you think that helps you figure out why you 
react or do the things you do. Absolutely. Because I've been, I've, I've gone down that road. I started years ago. Yeah. And realized the more I ask other people or become really interested in it. Yeah. Like this podcast alone, you know, peeling apart and getting inside of guys like your or girls, guys and girls like your heads. And as you've gotten success, you all have interesting stories. Yeah. I learn a ton from it. Yeah. And, and I, I learned that too. Like it, it helps explain and shape like. You learn, hey, how, why they react, but it also explains a lot of things about why I, I am the way I am. Yeah. You know? 100%. Um, and I think a lot of people, uh, they're in like, uh, maybe it's just now, they're like, gimme, gimme, gimme. And and if they're down, they feel like, I always try to remind them, like, hey, sometimes when you are, it feels good to push back out or ask questions or reach out to somebody else. Yeah. And I hope most people are waiting for that arm to scoop them up. Right. Um, and you have a really interesting story just coming so close to the family that a lot of my questions would be directed now at my at my mom and dad yeah and just shit that's a learning curve about you too you yeah. know how it's it probably explains a lot of the decisions you've made and yeah how why you are you are it could be explain why you did some things in high school making the transfer all that like yeah you know um i, I feel like that all that all kind of connects yeah connects us no it's funny and and while, while you're saying all that it, it's like not only asking the questions, but also once you realize like what are the things that happened that affected you mm-hmm. and asking those questions, like I had a really tough convo with them, which seems it, which felt like it shouldn't have been, but I kind, I didn't blame them, but I kind of like pointed the <laughs> finger at them. Like <laughs> and, and both of them in person at the same time. And I just said, Hey, like, you know, one of the things that I really didn't like, like that I've um, inherited from your, your personalities is that you guys don't value um, punctuality. Mm. And I would stay, I would literally stay after practice and I'd be late. And a lot of the conversations would all be, I'll be there in 15 minutes, I'll be there in 20. But it really wasn't 15 or 20. It was like 30 or 40, right? Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that I always put attention on myself was like, like I'm not going to be that. And it sounds so dumb and so small and there's other bigger emotional issues with with other people but like for me it was like i didn't value people's time because mm-hmm. i felt like my time wasn't valued as a kid and so going back and then i told them that they're like what about all the other things we did i'm like I, i'm like <laughs> yo like i'm not trying to like it, it's a fine line i i go through that sometimes too when i pinpoint certain things about my childhood i can literally think be like that's why i am like this today that right. incident or that particular moment um but at the same time it's a fine line trying not to blame them like you said yeah, yeah, yeah and also acknowledging the fact that our parents were doing the best they could 100 percent totally, yeah. within the circumstances they were going through yeah you know as a kid you, you don't know what the hell's going on you don't know what bills aren't being paid you know yeah you know you don't know what if there's a, if you know they're struggling or not but you know i try to keep that all the time in the back of my head it's like she did the best my dad did the best they both did the best they could yeah you know so it's like it's uh it's a work in progress as far as for myself like not holding that resentment towards them because I just got to keep that in mind. They just did the best they could. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's so true. I mean, you have a kid, so you see, like, you say a cuss word, he's going to say a cuss word. Oh, yeah. He's going to follow <laughs> your footsteps. This is a weekly conversation <laughs> with Peter all the time. I, I, I give him a rundown of all, all What's of this going shit on? kids saying. Yeah. But, but at the same time, too, and, like, going back to that, is you watch your parents be late, then you're going to probably end up being yeah. late yeah. until you, re, like, connect the dots backwards. And I, right. did, I did it a while ago. I'm like, I had a temper. Yeah, and as well, I grew up watching a dad who had a temper. Like everything, it was it was cold or fucking scolding hot. Right. You know, so like 
when you go backfiring, like, okay, well, that makes sense now. It doesn't right. mean that's how you have to. And right. same thing, you don't don't have to be late, but you just grew up watching it. Same way, Caleb sees you wearing a certain sweater. Of course, he's gonna want to fucking mm-hmm. wear it. Or he sees you doing boxing. He's gonna want to start boxing. Yeah. Right. And uh, we just kind of get moving so fast, we don't go back. But um, I guess when when was the first time that you can remember? Then that you started having the the itch for starting a business or or getting into a business of your own. So. Right after high school, um, had a quick a couple job. I think I was like one like regular job um, doing like warehousing, and then I actually got my real estate license at nineteen. Oh, um, got it passed the class in my first try. Uh, parents had already opened their own office. Uh, mm-hmm. Dad got his broker's license. Mom was an agent. Um, it was funny because it took her like seven or eight tries to pass that 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 uh, test, and um, this it's so funny those crash courses that they make you sign up for or like tell you to take or like oh you should probably do this. I took it and it was like this two day thing in Anaheim, and I remember staying there and I was like oh I'm gonna like actually learn this stuff you know, and what they actually teach you is like if you see Ferrari in the paragraph like the answer is C, and you're like. What? You know, like, I mean, not that literal, but like literally the like, oh, if you see anytime that it's a long question, like the answer is D. And I'm like, what? Like, how Like, how am I going to? How do you even come up with that formula? Yeah, how do you, yeah, yeah, what is this? Like, and I guess it was just like a hack, you know, like, and. How does that apply when I'm selling houses, though? Right, get out right, 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 right. How does that, how right. Does that translate? Yeah, and their whole, the whole thing was, like, just to get you to pass the test. And I was like, okay, like, I'm thinking I was going to learn something, but I learned how to cheat maybe i don't know damn not gonna ask questions so i i went and did the test and they give you two and a half hours three hours at the time this is back in 2005 2000 no 2004 and um i was done in 45 minutes and i was like and i felt good and i was like this can't be right at all so then i spent another like 10 just to like look Mm -hmm. and i was like no, this is, this is everything they told me. So turned it in. Just fucking passed. You use all the the hack, yeah. crash course. One hundred percent. Get out of here. I just looked at it. It was like it was like I don't know. Maybe I had like. Did you start selling houses. Or, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's a cue cards in your back no, pocket. Well, and that was and that was the perk. I've seen a pattern here. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was the perk of of you know having your your parents as your boss, like you know like if whatever you didn't know they would just yeah. handle, and mm-hmm. so. Um, I, I got my license, um, like end of 2004 and I then made my first sale in January, 2005. And it was one client that I met through, um, and I kind of skipped over this job, but I was also an after school program coach at a elementary school. Mm. And so, um, I developed a bond with a lot of like the fifth graders and the kids graduating it was a rough neighborhood mm-hmm. so definitely helped them get through those those things through sports or you know homework help and whatever else and one of them um i developed a close bond with and when they found out i was doing real estate they're like hey like we're looking to buy a house um you know do this do that i was like cool and they wanted to refinance a house so we were at the time you like anybody could do a loan like process a loan it's a little different now but um so I helped them refinance their home, did a purchase loan for the home, and did the purchase of the house. So at 19, Damn. 
I think my first check was like 50 grand. Wow. Damn. Like in the first month. Like yeah. It took, like, obviously it was a couple months worth of work. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I'm 19 and there's like 50K <laughs> 50. in my bank account. Like, yo, like, what? I was just like, okay. So, like, a stupid 19 year old, like, I went and bought a car. Of course. Uh, like, went out a lot. Um, and then I discovered, um, <laughs> I discovered this thing called DJ. Uh, Danger was in New Mexico on a, on a baseball scholarship um, in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't shit else to do. And he doesn't drink. Um, he's, he's, uh, so he, he ended up like getting into DJing himself first. And he comes back uh, from his, his like season and he's just like, yo, like I'm messing around with this stuff, like with the music. And he knew I was like, I was still like burning all the CDs, going to rock the bells. And, like, doing all that hip-hop shit. And so, like, and going to these shows. And he was just like, yo, like, this DJing shit is kind of dope. Um, I'm making money out and over there because I'm not drinking. So I can still be part of the party and not, like, yeah, be, like, yeah. in shit-faced. And so I was like, sounds dope. And then my buddy just happened to be selling a set of turntables that sucked. Like, a pair <laughs> of Gemini. It feels like Gemini is always everybody's starter it's, thing. It's that or Newmark. Right. It's in one of the, the two at that time. Yeah. So it's two Gemini Bell-driven turntables and, like, an American DJ DJ mixer and then, like, 10 Wu-Tang records. And I'm like, dope. <laughs> nice. 150 bucks. I'm like, done. So then I got them, and I remember watching, like, um, Hubert, Hubert's tutorial. And I'm like, why is this guy's, like, turntable? on Like, I don't get it. It's backwards. And I'm, mm-hmm. like, confused as hell, and I'm like, this is dumb. Like, why did I do this? And then um, I found the Scratch DJ Academy in L.A., and I went for a class um, Danger kind of like introed me, and I went. It, one class turned into like fifteen, mm-hmm. and um, that's how I met like a lot of uh, the guys that I'm still connected to this day. Shout out to Phenom. Uh, he recruited me to this like DJ crew called the Spinatics. Um, original members were guys like Danger, Rel, Styles Davis, uh, that are still kind of like mm-hmm. hanging around with uh, DJ City and the original DJCity.com was actually based out of that same uh, space. Mm. So we used to ship out records. It was an e-commerce selling vinyl and uh, different things like that. And it was a record store itself at the school. And then that's how I kind of like jumped into the the DJ world, you know, Mm. trying to get away from like my entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. calling with real estate. You know, I was just taking selfies with like a time (laughs) camera and throwing up on MySpace. And I had all this money to sit on that I was like not pressed to do any other work, you know. So like you you had that immediate success with the, the real estate, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, nah, I'm gonna go do this crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. What, what was your parents' reaction to that, man? They hated it for sure. Yeah, they oh my god, like they were like, this is like when I first came out the gate, like hot, you know. They were just like, oh yeah, you're gonna be the real estate mogul. You're gonna take this to another level, like take our company to another level, and um. For whatever reason, they're probably so high. Yeah, banking on me. Yeah, <laughs> they're like banking on me to do it, you know. And I really just, I think, and this still kind of carries over to this day. Like, and there might be a deeper meaning to this, but at the end of the day, for me, on the surface, happiness, chasing happiness, is more important to me than chasing the money. Mm-hmm. The money, the money's there. Like I. I get it. Like it's there and we need it for certain things. Um, but it doesn't gauge or it doesn't, doesn't drive me to move a certain way. Like 
money will follow in abundance when you're doing the right things at the right mm-hmm. time with the right people. And mm-hmm. I think uh, in that moment, it just felt right where that I did work with people who I actually enjoyed, you know, working with. Um, but, you know, on the real estate side, it was very like, you're, you're, it's ISO, man. Like you're running yeah. the ball by yourself and it's, it's one-on-one. Like mm-hmm. you're not really doing thing as anything as a team. And so I just was looking for an escape from the office and mm-hmm. that's eventually what led me to kind of deflecting. And again, like I had all that money. I was like, ah, oh, like for a 19 year old, that's going to last you a while, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it literally lasts me like a year and a half because <laughs> I didn't do shit else yeah. after that in real estate. Um, and, and then I just really went full fledged into DJing because I fell in love with it, you know? And, um, from curating CDs now to literally learning what an RCA cable was to learning how to juggle two records to party rocking to, you know, doing gigs, you know, and that really to the DJ world was really that it was essentially, I don't know, the third or fourth entrepreneurial thing that I got involved in because the clothing line, the, the real estate, cause you know, real estate, you got to market yourself and different things like that. But DJing was just that like real nitty gritty because it's like this combo of fulfilling a service and a need, but also selling your brand totally, and yeah. creating one. And um, really early on, I was able to apply a lot of different things that worked for me in other areas. And that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me going into DJing was to promote the clothing line, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm. And and then luckily my brother launched his clothing line. And then I was like, oh man, if I could just get a shirt on Mr. Chalk, you know, be junkies. Like, oh, that would sure, mean the yeah. world to me, you know, yeah. as, a, as a backpacker, like hip hop head. And then, um, and then from there, I just, you know, I just really became focused on DJing and Scratch Academy had its own um, like booking agency. And so my first real big gig was like, well, I was doing like Bloomingdale's in stores and like playing Madonna, Michael Jackson, like in the middle of, of a of a store with mm-hmm. like these like older women, you know, like yeah, it was fun. I mean, but it was also like uh, like carrying crates. Uh, I wouldn't even do it today for like two blocks. Yeah, I, I feel like so. It's funny just talking about money. Yeah, had, I just had a conversation last night with. Uh, we're opening a restaurant down in San Diego right yeah. now, and we're in the home stretch, like the final month. Mm-hmm. which money is a big conversation and it's all the like uh of course the unknowns that pop up yep but uh i was talking to one of our partners on it and i said you know a, a ways back i learned that money is uh you have to i, I categorize that as a tool yep it is a tool yep. um but there's a lot of other tools right. that you have to have and money is important so you have to keep some sort of focus on it but shifting to yc you're doing i feel like it'd be safe to say between djing your store even the podcast you probably do it all for free. Yeah. It, because you love it. Yeah. You know? and, that, and that's why I look like the stuff that I'm working on, obviously we have to make sure there's a return on it. Yeah, and, of course. And that no one's losing money, especially when you start getting employees because then they're losing too. But if you can say, I would go into the office and do this, even if there wasn't a paycheck. The paycheck's awesome, right. obviously. But I think it'd be safe to say the stuff that you're into, which is I, is the dream, like the entrepreneur's dream, American dream, whatever, uh, you would do it for free. Yeah. You know, you don't want to tell a club owner that or, nah. that. but, but <laughs> no, no, but in a way, like I, I love, like, I, I think if there's any DJs, you probably know them out there who are doing only for the paycheck. Their, their longevity is not, not there. Um, 
and, and same with business owners. If it's just, if it's all, all money driven, they're a different type of person. Right. And, um, I think that that says a lot about what, what, what you've started. And it's really hard to find that balance. We're like, okay, this is paying the bills. I am, I, I, money is coming in, but I personally, I would never want anybody to know or evaluate me on my money value. You know, like, yeah. what, like to, to, to look at you and be like, Oh, you know, I was saying he's, he's happy because he's rich. Right? Yeah. They would say it like either yeah. way is, is, is for me. That's, that's the end all goal. And it's hard to get there. Yeah. You know, it's hard because also money can in, influence you to get off, off course. Yeah. Off course, what you were originally planning on doing in real estate, if you sell a house, you probably didn't really want to be a realist realtor. No, but you got a nice paycheck. Most right. people that would have taken them off course. Right. And like, all right, I'm going to go this route. Cause it just paid me a nice fucking check. Yeah. First house sold. Yeah. So I think it says a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, it was just, again, like I knew I was bored doing that. Like, and it didn't, it, it didn't seem like a challenge, you mm-hmm. know? And I wanted to, cha- I wanted a challenge and I wanted to, and I, I feel like that's constantly been something in my life. It's like, they're all different cycles where like I get to that kind of what feels like the success side of it. And then I'm like, okay, this is what it's like. Okay. So what's the difference between um, me selling this first house, getting a check for 50 K and then scaling that to selling two, three, four, whatever many houses and having more money. Mm-hmm. Well, the money's going to change, but my experience isn't. Mm-hmm. So I have to shift. Yeah. And, and as, as illogical on the, on the like establishing a foundation, I'd probably be filthy rich doing it, but I wouldn't be here today, like talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be probably with a family of, you know, whatever in some nice house, but like, is that it, really as happy as I'd be today, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of like still pursuing the different things that I enjoy. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't speak on that. I can't worry about that. What, what's your, what's your parents feedback now? <clears throat> I mean, now it's like, they're just amazed with, uh, how far everything's gone because the, the D so the DJ part of it, it took a while for them to like they didn't, grasp they on. Didn't buy yeah. No, they didn't buy hell no. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you know, again, math and science program, real estate agent, like licensed real estate agent in the system. Like, you know, heck, yeah, heck in the system, <laughs> you were born, you know, me. running through the, the, the dial up internet at the time, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and I think they just were like, not about it. And it wasn't until I got, um, a decent check from, oh God, what's the kind of, I think it was teen Vogue. And I was working with, the truth.org, the anti-tobacco company, mm-hmm. not anti-smoke, still sticks in my head, but anti-tobacco. And we did this like five date tour actually from LA to San Diego, all beaches. And it was just like these young girls and like, they'd have a performer. And then I think they're like, I don't know. I think they're paying like five grand for like three days. Damn. And I was like, cool. Like, you know, yeah. and I was like, I told my dad, I was like, Hey, come with me so you can see what I'm doing, you know? And he came with and he's like, Oh, you're getting five grand to do like this? Like, this is not bad. Like, you know, it's not that bad. And then so he was kind of the first to jump on and and again, the thing the struggle was my license was still active um for four years. You know, so it's like oh five to oh nine. Um and so this is happening around oh six and um they're still trying to kind of convince me to come back. Cause it's, cause it's active. And then 0708 hit and you have the, mm-hmm. the great 
depression, if you will, you know, the recession that hit and um, the housing market crashed. And um, I just found this out earlier too, but like, you know, my parents have set up quite a, a nice little empire. They own a, a good amount of properties and um, they've never showed their struggles. And uh, I just found out recently that we did lose one property during that, mm. that uh, recession. And I would have never known, but uh, they, you know, they've held it down for, mm. for a good amount of time. And so at the same time, that also made it as a block for me to like, ah, like I actually got out early. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like yeah. I got out before, like, what if I was like indebted to this whole situation? What if I did, um, you know, cause loan officers at the time were making some really shady moves, you know? Um, what is it? The, what was the movie? Uh, great short, the big short, mm-hmm. right? Like all that stuff is real. Like there was literally pets owning a house. There was literally like, you know, whoever was owning mad property and all of those people got screwed, you know, because they were getting fed these loans. Yeah. So, um, in many ways I do see it as a blessing and it it established me with another, uh, set of skills that, uh, eventually really paid off. I think I, after shortly after the team Vogue gig, uh, 2008, I actually DJed the Vance warp tour, all 54, uh, locations, with the truth.org um, woke up every morning in a different city um, hung out at the think at the time who was like the guys I was really tight with were Swayze 303 Katy Perry was nobody she was dating um, <laughs> Travis from gym class heroes and they were all like cool people mm. um, and so that and then that led me into doing a couple like cruise ship gigs that became really popular amongst the DJ community where you like get to go on a cruise ship for a month yeah. And you get like this per diem, and you get paid like fifteen hundred a week, and like, damn, and you're this guest celebrity DJ. So you literally work three or four hours a week, like. And I remember Kirch doing one of those too. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think did, maybe I put Kirch on. I put on every every West Coast <laughs> DJ. I was the first one <laughs> that um, that got to go on that that thing that from the West, and they they really fell in love with it because they would give you a guest. And so I would always bring one of my DJ homies as a guest so that the pitch is, Oh yeah, my DJ homie. So he already knows the circuit. You should book him. Mm-hmm. And so that led into like this whole like network of synergy. So, um, did that. And while I was doing that, I was like, I really want to do other things. Like this is get, again, sure, yeah. I'm getting bored, you know? So I'm just like, it might be the Gemini thing. So I hear, but I don't know. Like, so don't, that. No? All right, don't that. get into that. All right. Uh-uh. All right. Anyway, that's just the last couple of girls. <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> no, so I got bored, you know, and so I was like, I need another challenge. I need another challenge in my life. This is, is getting stagnant. So then I I finally went into the um, nightclub scene. Um, and of course, wanting all the different smoke and challenges at the time, I think scam was really starting to pop off and, uh, getting established and you know the the ams and the guys were that were throwing parties and the vices and the eric deluxes blowing up um and so it wasn't like much longer into starting the, the in the nightclub scene um shout out to my boy adam and eddie boy uh that's how i met eddie boy we we had to sit down and they had a little crew slash management group and i understood what they were doing but i also wanted to to scale them and challenge them. And so we started a, a artist group um, called Project Spin Artists. And I remember the videos 
still dope as fuck. I think it's somewhere on YouTube. It's probably mm-hmm. flagged for the the music though, but uh, like anything else. But we uh, we put together a nice little a little click. You know, standout guys would be like Chris Villa and Jay Espinosa, mm-hmm. Kid Conrad, like you know, champions. Like, and we had them before anybody was like watching their routine on Instagram. This is my company nice. that I that we established. Nobody really knew it was my company. Yeah, I didn't know that. I always kept it really private i was like behind the scenes i wanted people to focus on that it's mickey war the brand um versus project spin artist owner you know like mm-hmm. and so um unfortunately i don't think we had the team uh not talent wise but more so in the the managerial side to like get us through the hump with everything else going on but that did lead me into um other opportunities um shot to dj e-rock uh from the bay uh he was actually the entertainment director talent buyer at infusion la um and he when he stepped down because he was he got his own little thing going on um with his brand of course and he was like hey like do you want to be the talent buyer at la i was like absolutely like Mm -hmm. i'm down you know and so then that's what led me into you know managing talent and, and and uh booking my friends and getting paid for it like yeah, it's pretty yeah. pretty it's a fun job so they gave me a salary and i was a part of the managerial group and got part of um i also did all, a lot of their graphics um early on and that's what got me into like web design and social media mm-hmm. and um a lot of the skills that i now use with with my company um you know came from from there and establishing establishing myself as a as a dj um, you know, I got to do some really cool things while I was there, like doing um Power One Six jump off mix. Um, were some standout moments for me and I think I won like one DJ mix competition. So That's cool. that was when I was really into it full full What year is it? This was two thousand twelve, two thousand yeah, two thousand twelve. Hmm. Um and uh and then I headlined in Vegas and that felt like oh man like I'm headed where right where I need to be. I got that like billboard, like I'm going in the right direction without any sort of like crazy management. Even though in the back of your head you're like at the time, you know, Scam was that that company. You wanted that logo on your 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 branding. And um and I'm sure there's still a generation that still wants that, right? But it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, I think I'm headed in the right direction to put together a nice portfolio that it'll make sense. And um, being full transparent, I got in a relationship that was very toxic, popular word, mm-hmm. this era, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it was like, you know, love and hate. And, and one of those things where like you didn't really understand each other because you weren't willing to ask those questions, you know. Sure, yeah. And so I think um, in any relationship, physical, emotional, whatever, like the, one of the most important things is just like understanding each other and communicating. Mm-hmm. And I think um, at the time, while I was trying to juggle everything else, um, I wasn't giving the proper attention or asking the proper questions to understand my partner. And um, I got to put in a very weird spot. And uh, she worked with me at the club and I quit DJing. Like, oh, damn. yeah. And so I, my, um, social media account was deleted i well i deleted it and like all this stuff right like hit reset and i didn't know how to handle it at the time and it's funny because i played it off for a minute like oh now i'm looking to do something else like oh i'm tired of blacking out like well that was also true but like (laughs) (laughs) you know when you work at a club like yeah man 
per- yeah. the perks are crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. And so I don't think I had a friend that paid for anything. So, right. you know, good friend. But, but yeah, so I, I just, you know, I, I, uh, I thought I made the right decision into this, like, long-term relationship. It was, like, four to five years that we were, we were going at it. And, um, you know, I can say this, that uh, we both grew into much better people. Um, and it, you know, wasn't for us. It wasn't the right decision for us, but I definitely can be honest and say that, yeah, like that was a big part of the reason why I walked away. And then, but it also, again, allowed room and opportunity for a new challenge. And of course, timing is always important. And so my brother had just graduated college when I decided like, I'm done, like, you know, like driving home drunk, like so many bad decisions I was making at the mm-hmm. time. And, um, and I was just like, I need something else. And so he was like, I want to open a, a store um, for my brand or his brand. Um, so the brand was called War Clothing. Um, my last name is Guerra, which stands for war in Spanish. Oh, okay. So hence the Mickey War. I get it now. Yeah. And Mickey comes from the Mickey Ficky mix. That was a popular mix out here in Power 106. Mm-hmm. Um, Danger Zone uh, gave me a Valentine's Day card in seventh grade. <laughs> and I, I think I did like didn't get a Valentine's Day card, and then he like gave me a card and said to Mickey Ficky Mike, and so the Mickey <laughs> grabbed from there, and that carried over to That's Mickey, really and then the war, and I just kind of like came up with it on the spot, Scratch Academy, and I was like, I don't really like this name, and then it stuck. So uh-huh. you know that's whatever, funny. but so that's how the name came about, and then to War, which stood for We Are Royalty. Um, clothing brand uh, that your brother started that my brother started he was slanging tees if you're fam- familiar with Johnny Cupcakes uh, really dope clothing brand nostalgic designs it, that was the inspiration for him and he would slang tees out of the trunk of his car and online and he had a nice little business that did you know like probably like six figures in a year or something like that and yeah. while he's going to school and um, he was like moving back to the valley he was going to school in Riverside um, which is about 90 minutes from like LA. And he's like, I want to open a flagship store for us. And I was like, well, shit, all right, I'm, I'll run it because he had his own nine to five. Mm-hmm. And so we literally built the store out, like from top to bottom, laid down the laminate floor, like, you know, made try to make it look like a basketball court kind of vibe. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, um, but we also didn't have that vision or education for retail space. So, we didn't have a POS system. We literally like have an Excel chart because that's what we knew. Like we're like Excel nerds. So like love Excel. We, yeah. <laughs> so we like Excel. we literally write down every sale and then we like input every like sale at, in the Excel sheet later at night. It was so bootleg. And as we learned more and more, <laughs> you know, we kind of put together this like this business and these designs and different things like that. And we had a, a lot of local support. Um, and eventually um i was proposed an idea to to put sneakers because we had this dope streetwear brand why not bring in shoes and i was like how the hell are we going to bring in shoes without putting up a ton of money mm-hmm. and they were just saying like well uh, some some friends were like uh proposing this consignment program mm-hmm. idea never heard of it i never been to these stores flight club or riff la that were really popular we have one in san diego too yeah uh I've heard of a couple Rosewood. out there. Rosewood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so then I I was like, let me go do my research and see see what it is, you know? And 
literally to this day we still use the same excel sheet to do like consignment yeah uh we i created a whole like system Mm -hmm. and everything lives on the cloud and um that's how we brought in shoes Mm -hmm. and we built the clientele and uh we were this is 2013 ish 2012 2013 and um we instagram was starting to get hot and I'm pretty sure we were one of the first, if not the first, like retail space to throw up a product on Instagram and be like, this is what it is. Yeah. This is how much it is. This is where we're at. Or buy it online. Mm-hmm. And that created this whole thing. And I built this, this essentially this new company uh, within our store uh, up to like, I don't know, 10,000 followers at, at the time. And it, it created this new, like, business plan, you know. Yeah. And because all the other companies were too big. They like they post, like, one photo a day. They'd, like, you know, they were so, they were the guys that it didn't matter what they did on social. Versus us, it was like, no, like, post a lot and all the time. And because the, the word out. Yeah, because the algorithm at the time wasn't so complicated. Like, you posted, people see it, and they see it in order. So literally all we did was just flood and you would just see like, Oh, that's a nice watch. Like, Oh, that's a nice hat. Oh, that's a nice tea. And then, Oh, look at those shoes. Oh, this is what condition they're in. And Oh, where is this? You know? And so it built that. And, um, we, we did that for like six months and then had to learn a hard lesson of what it's like to work with partners that just don't mesh, you know? Mm -hmm. And my brother and I were at each other's throats at some times and, and through that hardship, we became closer than ever, you know, um, to the point where it's like, you know, one of the things that that has carried on after that was like, you know, every time we hang up, tell each other we love each other. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like that level of like, no matter what you're going through, no matter what the hell's in front of you, no matter if that wall's in front of you, like, yo, I love you and we're going to get through it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I may not have the answer to that, but we'll figure it out. And you think that was a result of being in? business partners i think that was a result of going through the 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 hardships that we did go through there as as partners you know we we realized that um at times you you don't get along because of the money sure you know and the different things like that and um and then you realize like look if we we we're better together than we are apart so let's figure this out for the better of the both of us right so um that was that was like the first official store and um there was two other gentlemen that were part of the sneaker side of things uh we split uh and then i went on to open a second business or second sneaker store Mm -hmm. called backside kicks that was uh, located in burbank that's how i ended up in burbank eventually and i literally was a thousand dollar loan and i was not djing right so like i was declining everything and it was a thousand dollar loan. It was for fixtures and 150 pairs of shoes covered a wall that was 10 by 10. And, um, this store was an established streetwear store in Burbank and also a record store. So it's like right up my alley Sure. and where I bought some of my first pieces of record or records. And, um, I gave them this business plan. I structured a terrible deal for myself but I was like, Naturally. look, it's a, yeah. but I was like, it's a lifeline, you know, like yeah, I didn't yeah. understand the different things that could happen. And so 
to to kind of like get through that chapter quickly um we were downstairs for three months in that 10 by 10 with 150 pairs of shoes within at that third month we got to like 750 pairs and we expanded into their upstairs which was about uh 800 square feet maybe a little smaller or 800 square feet with storage and then when we closed shop um on the 10th month because of the partnership deal um we had uh done gross revenue of about six hundred thousand dollars um in those 10 months and um we were at like a thousand pairs of shoes um in that same space and so um yeah so they were the the partners i had were making a nice little bit of money without providing any sort of outside help or energy um we there was a little bit of animosity because we grew our socials accounts larger than theirs um pretty quickly and so when we split um i think we had like twelve thousand followers on instagram or like 15 and um we we left um and then i found my my first ever investor if you will and um we're both very similar he became my mentor and uh, he kind of like wined and dined me to like find the right spot, you know, like get picked up in a limo, go check out this spot, go eat nice. somewhere fancy, that whole that whole thing. And I was like, there's got to be something up with this dude, you know. So like, I don't know, I just kind of thought again, it was one of those things where it's like, like I got no choice. Like, I know I'm leaving here, you know, I'm, I'm yep. basically kicked out. Yeah. So like I need to go find what the next step is, right, without paperwork, without nothing we like signed a lease like crazy. on, on his name, not under his name, but under like, like a, we worked it out. Yeah. So we had this lease and we were originally looking for a spot that was like 1500, 2000 square feet, you know, like in business you want low risk, you know, high reward. So um, we were looking for something in that area that was manageable in Burbank. And then we happened to run into the spot that was beat to shit. Like, smelled like dog piss like didn't know what was going on guy was hoarding things like it was weird <laughs> but it was five thousand square feet wow and um it was huge and but it looked just like backside i'm like man this might be like a sign and surely enough the numbers made a lot of sense actually and we we dumped a quarter million if not 300 grand into that build out mm. um and we just went for it. And then that's when we established Mag Park, uh, grand opening August 29, 2015. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's your flagship. That's the flagship. Yeah. And uh, so Mag Park, it's funny because there's like a deeper rooted meaning to everything. I didn't want to name it Mag Park because mm-hmm. the, the neighborhood's called Magnolia Park, right? So I knew the neighborhood would hate us. I, I knew. I mean, they probably, they probably <laughs> still do, to be honest with you. But... <laughs> But um, I wanted to call it, like, community with no I because there's no I in community, something corny <laughs> like that, right? But I really liked it because of the C. Like, it's, like, yeah, yeah. it feels brandable, you yeah. know? Like, it's, like, stronger than an MP. MP just looks weird at the time. And then, um, you know, this, again, this is, like, me trying to design the logo. Like, there's a fucking tree. Like, there's, like, just, <laughs> just bad, you know? And... um my partner was just like, look, you know, I'll let you do whatever you want. You know, you know, I've, I've trusted you with everything, 
but I'm a veto. <laughs> I'm a veto community kicks and I need our community and I need you to just stick to Magnolia Park. And I was like, all right, fine. And um, even though it wasn't necessarily my idea, um, I was able to, again, how RBC turned into Relations Beyond Color, Magnolia Park turned into um, what it is today in the sense of the true meaning of Mag Park um, with the half-court basketball court, with the DJ booth, with the hand-painted artwork across, you know, 25-foot walls um, by a kid that I grew up with playing sports um, is that my entire life what rooted me and the people around me was being at the park. Sure. Park and Rec and the sports that involved it. What's your middle name? Huh? What's your middle name? (laughs) Ramon. Oh, I thought it was going to be something with an A, an oh, A-G. Man, this no. flips everything. <laughs> but, but Michael and Andy Guerra. Oh, your brother. My brother. See? That's Mag. It's flipped. This guy flips everything. Everything. Man. I'm a flip flipper. right there. <laughs> oh, you got a public relations nightmare. Yes. Go, you know, <laughs> Come to me. Right I'll find a way to, to, to pitch it right. But, yeah, so then the whole park and rec idea was really, like, what I think is what is who we are and what brings people together. And so the idea of having a park, you know, like Mm -hmm. a mission statement, if you will, and it's what brings people together. And what we always say as a company is look like the product we sell sells itself. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we carry. Like it's just, it is what it is. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to give you an experience. And so if the experience leads you to do a purchase, cool. If it doesn't, cool post it up i don't care like it's all about i think you just described most e-commerce business right now it's more about the story yeah if the story leads you to buy yeah and that's what people cool. that's what people are shopping yeah but the difference is they're, they're spending money on on ads and and clicks mm-hmm. and stuff True. that it's hard to get that if your story isn't sh- you mean clear the experience in like when you come into your store I think both. I because think your store is really fucking cool. Yeah. And so, and that's funny because we, and that's why we spent so much money and, and not to like, you know, again, it's a tool. Right. And so what we felt at the time you wanted to get like press, you wanted to get coverage. You wanted people to be able to walk in there. And again, like you want people to be able to like, it's gotta be sounds so dumb, but it's gotta be Instagrammable, right? Like you gotta be able to capture the moment. All about that. Yeah, yeah, Everything's exactly. Got to be Instagrammable. Something's got to have a moment, yep, right? Yep. And so, with us, I never looked at it like, "Oh, this will look dope behind me," you know, like or like this will look great in the background. Like I never looked at it like that. It was an evolution. Like we didn't have TVs in there when we first opened. It looked kind of bare. Now you put a TV in there, it's like, oh, it looks dope. Mm-hmm. We, ha- I think we watched Kobe's last game in there, like, and we mm-hmm. put out seats and we gave away Kobe's. Like it was like a whole That's thing. Really cool. Um, but. Like, we wanted to have a, like, the main focus was the court, you know, the, the basketball court. When we first opened, the court was covered with, like, merchandise because we got killed by some lady in New York who came, and she's, like, a retail analysis, and she's, like, your, like, product by square foot doesn't, like, add up to the equation of a successful retail business. I said, okay, but, like, where can you go play basketball inside of a store? Mm-hmm. Where can a kid throw on a shoe try it on not to say that we really allow that anymore because like shit breaks but you know but where at the time like where could you go put on a shoe shoot a basket Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and then be like you know what yeah i'll take them Mm -hmm. so for us it was just being able to create the moment and 
um, again, have an event. There's a DJ booth ready to go, like full like nightclub system. It's, it's kind of like the uh, Starbucks model is you're not going in for coffee. You're going in for yeah experience and right people who to feel comfortable hanging out yeah working from there meeting there yeah oh and by the way if you want to buy coffee yeah for, sure for ten dollars a cup right buy our coffee too and, i feel uh, attacked by that comment <laughs> <laughs> i'm talking about coffee i'm talking about coffee i feel attacked <laughs> yo you know their other their other trick right huh. how they get you to buy food Mm-mm. okay so you're going to starbucks right let's hypothetically right you're in the drive-thru and they, when you pull up, mentally, you're there for coffee. Mm-hmm. But they don't ask you that watch next time you go, if you go. They're going to say, what can I get for you to eat today? Not from the opening. That's how they open? Bro, that's that's instilled. We need, we need to check, fact check that. We might have to fact check that. But I, the last couple times they I have. They do push food, but I've, I don't, it's been a while since I've gone to Starbucks. I th- especially drive through. They might have got exposed for it recently. It's, it's, hey, so it's they might have changed. No, even, even if they don't, that's smart. Whoever's oh, you weren't thinking it. Now no, you are. No, they switch up, dude. Okay, the fucking up the name thing was genius. The green straw, genius. The like, what would you like to eat today? Genius. Like, there's so many different little mm-hmm. things that they instill. Well, the Subliminal sales, the man. Thing, that doesn't that doesn't phase me. My my shit's been getting fucked up all no, my life. No, so, so no. what? Are you, what? Are, what is true? What but is then your, you would still. Post it like that's an impression. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? Then what is your your staff trained to say when you walk in? Uh, so my tra- so there's uh, it's Geth. Uh, it's greeting, engage, follow up. So their uh, their instructions are to when somebody walks in, you greet them. When um, you give them some time to like walk around, don't press them, uh, and then you go engage. And so engagement is very dependent on the person the weather the sports team they might be wearing like shoes yo i like the wearing. shoes you yeah. like oh totally, like yeah. you know hey feel free to stay inside i know and it's hot feeling, outside not feeling like a salesman right yeah that's never huge. that's huge. the follow-up is if you see them grab a shoe you see them grab a product hey let me know if there's a size you'd like me to get and then you know any other you know traditional trick is like if they pick out a Jordan one and they want a size eight and then you only have a size eight and a half, you bring the eight and a half, but you also bring other eights with that so that they can see the other colors that are available in their size. That's the Starbucks food right there. <laughs> That's the food right there. The one I, that one down. The one I really want to get down is um, Subway, right? Mm-hmm. You smell the bread. Yes. That's not from the bread. Subwars. No. I'm, I'm, Stop I'm, it. I'm, they got ovens right there. I'm breaking your hearts today. Because <laughs> I love that smell. Okay. I hate that smell. That smell is pumped in, through the AC. Oh, I'd pump that in my house in a second. <laughs> yeah. Swear I would. Swear bro. I would. I love that smell. <laughs> the fuck is this guy? That Look, is not pumped through the AC. I need yeah. I, I, I Sandwiches got, aren't I great. Starbucks food. And I need to <laughs> fact check this Subway thing. It does not smell good to me. I mean, I Subway, get it. Fresh bread. Yeah, they all smell the same. It does not smell good. I, I just assume because they pull that oven door out and you got the bread all cooking right there. That's oh, like the man. main reason, I mean, amongst other reasons, but that's the main reason why I never eat at Subway because of the smell. I'm more of a Jersey really? Mike's guy, but... Love Mike's Jersey Mike's. Jersey yeah. Mike's is fire. Mm-hmm. Just had firehouse subs. I'm good on that. <laughs> do you know, Jersey do, Mike's is fire. Do you fire. know that uh, unintentionally or do you know this from like researching other companies like sales tools? Or you know, I think uh, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I listen to, I watch a ton of YouTube. Obviously through like more enthused into entrepreneurs and different business tactics and different things like that and just talking to people so um i 
I honestly don't even remember where I got some of that stuff. Maybe some of it's through stand-up comedy. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure <laughs> the Starbucks thing. I'm pretty sure the Starbucks thing <laughs> came from Tom Segura. I'm almost sure that that's where that's that came hilarious. from. All right. I love that guy. So up. funny. But um, but yeah, I want to get um, the new Jordan One smell pumped into my store. Fuck. Like I would just like that smell is so nostalgic and so dope, and it's like the glue. Yeah, it's just got this like fresh, and if I could figure out a way to pump that smell, like I'm gonna put in a candle and I'm gonna pump it through the air. Like, yeah, let us know if you do. Yeah, <laughs> I got, I still gotta figure it out. My house is gonna be half bread, maybe on the weekends. Right. Like Jordan <laughs> never fucking right. over there. <laughs> I'm never <laughs> coming over. Half blue. He's like, oh, it's funny. He's like, what are you making a loaf? So I mean, uh, I know you got a lot going on, and that that's that was great hearing the progression up to to where you are now. Yeah, and I know you're a busy man. And uh, I don't think I, I kind of preface this podcast, too, because it was you and I got stuck in a conversation at um, the uh, event. The beat source. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't remember details, but I definitely a lot of stuff you're into. And I know you run the podcast and a podcast is a great tool to meet new people and learn new things. And yeah. And honestly, that was just our conversation there was what stuck out at me. And, and when they talked about um, Alan having the show here tonight, I said, let's do a, our, our first L.A. show. And it was it was be, it was only because of that conversation. I mean, you, I follow yeah. everybody on social, but um, I felt like through podcasting or just through all these experiences, you you're, you're really like in a really cool space right now. Yeah. As far as what you're into, and so I guess kind of tail end uh, winding down on the podcast here is like, what now? Waking up each day, what's your biggest like driver, or what really excites you? What's uh, what part is it? I mean, is it still a music? Is it, is it the podcast? Is it, um, and it might be all of the above, but is there something because, because what we talked about, I couldn't have related more, which, yeah. I, which I love having that, uh, relation when it comes to this podcast. Cause I could, I could tell the stuff that you're into is really going to resonate here. But like right now with all that, that you've led up to now, what's your biggest man? I jump out of bed because well, this morning I jumped out of bed because we got to be working out, but uh, yeah, my bad. I've, <laughs> kind of, I've kind of forced that. I'm no, sorry. no, no, I'm playing. Um, <clears throat> I think for me, is just um, I've learned more recently uh, to have a new level of discipline, um, and I think as simple as that sounds, it's probably one of the most difficult things to enforce in your life mm-hmm. because the reality is. Um, unless you give your one of your boys the green light like or or significant other um it's hard to hold yourself accountable for the smallest decisions that you know you should be doing versus like what you're actually doing mm-hmm. and um i think once i learned that my life is a balance sheet right taking it back to business um you have your assets you have your liabilities you have your expenses right and so depending on who comes into your life and who that person is whether it's a friend, it's a girlfriend, it's a wife, it's, you know, whatever, like, I mean, kids you're stuck with, like, you gotta, that's, 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 that's not moving, that's not moving on the expense side. It's a liability. It's a liability. <laughs> <laughs> but an asset, you know, it's a, it's a long-term investment. It's a little of both. <laughs> Depends a day. But, um, I think, you know, once I real, I kind of like take a step back and I realize, okay, like, how is this going to affect my day? How is this going to affect my life? Right. Um, I've, I've realized that for a long time, the small business of my health, like I would set that off aside. And I think when I realized that if I made that more of a priority and I invested more into that, then that would affect everything else going on around me and my mindset, you know, because mindset is so important. 
And um, we both, you know, are familiar. Uh, this guy, Trevor Moat, not to keep you out of it, but <laughs> that's my bad. But Trevor, Trevor is amazing in what he preaches about just having this balanced mindset, not, not too positive, not too negative, but what you say out loud, it like affects what you do on a daily and, and has a different set of odds and, you know, what you're able to do when, when things do go, you know, unexpected or whatever. Like for me, it's like, I've, I'm now on my toes every single day because I don't know what's going to happen and, and I got to be ready for it. And I think that's my mindset just getting up is like not only is like I don't know what will happen today and, and I can make an effect in my life, but also, you know, it's it's your opportunity. And if you don't take your opportunity, then you are you could miss out or you could hold yourself back from where you really could end up. You know, every day you decide to, you know, I don't know, go fuck around, you know, yeah, what, yeah. in whatever context that means, you know, um, it can affect your long-term goal. It could affect um, what you want to do this week. You know, like I think it just comes down to understanding and having a game plan. I think if you treat everything um, and, and look at things and one of the, one of my main preaches is always like, I don't worry about what I can't touch. Like if it's out of my reach, I don't worry about it. I can't, when it gets closer, I will, because then I can, I can make an effect on it. Mm -hmm. But if it's, if it's out of my reach, I can't worry about it until it's there. And I just focus on the things I do control and just try to keep moving forward. The goal is forward, you know, and um, what you're going forward towards that's determined by your discipline. Totally. And I, I, maybe Trevor was part of our conversation Yeah, because we were, we were talking about, you know, uh, mutual networks and we listened to and yeah, dude's incredible. Yeah. Um, that I think, and it's, it's definitely plays off what you were saying is, all we are like in life as a father, as a business owner, as a brother, whatever, you're just a product of your decisions. Yeah. And, uh, and that requires discipline too, to make better decisions. hundred percent. When you own a business, there's no one really looking over your shoulder saying there's no consequence. If you make a bad decision, yeah. you don't follow through. Like you're not going to get written up. You're not going to get fired, Yeah. which can be really dangerous water for some people and why some people don't last. All right. But I had, I had someone put it uh, really interesting recently because they were asking, like, how do I how do I build self-confidence? How do I be a more confident person? And it, it, it definitely goes hand-in-hand hand with this is um, it's following through on the stuff that you commit to yourself personally. Because once you start breaking or bending those, yeah, then you lose your confidence in yourself. Yeah, And that's a, that's a total internal thing because you can't really have a friend or a spouse or anything. Like, if you say, I'm going to wake up tomorrow at 6 a.m. Right. and go to the gym and you hit the snooze button, you actually lose confidence in yourself yeah. because you're not following through on the deals you make with yourself. I'm yeah. going to eat this meal tomorrow and you fucking binge. Yeah. And, and then one after another, and now all of a sudden you are a, a insecure, not confident person. I, and I and when I put it that way, I'm like, that's so true. Right. You know? And when you follow through like today, yeah, driving at 5 a.m., yeah. we had the podcast, how this, like I was, I was literally, I'm like, dude, if he doesn't want to fuck it. And maybe if he, <laughs> even if he does, I'm like, I just know the sequence of the day. Yeah. But I feel like every little decision or commitment, um, even though some of them are like are, are really fucking difficult. Yeah. And I know too, like you have a busy day too because you're going over your your store and then a full day. But that's why you, you build confidence in yourself. You come off where I think some people just they have the impression like, oh, I don't know if you're if you're good looking or you're this like that's what builds confidence. Like 
No, it's uh. not because there's a lot of good looking people, great jobs, and they just fucking have shit for confidence. Yeah. You know? So that's really interesting put because I, I, I can totally relate to that yeah. now. And, and as you get busier and busier and more responsibilities and more business or whatever you take on, dude, you can't waver at all. Yeah. You know, you have, your, your discipline has to like go hand in hand because typically then too, it's a domino effect. If you make bad decisions, other people are going to feel it. Yeah. Which can be, which, which can be nerve wracking, but it's just like doubling down on that discipline. Yeah. And I, th- I think an extension of that and not to take it like too, too deep, but like if you truly love yourself, like why would you cheat yourself? Mm-hmm. Like you're cheating on yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, and if you truly care about somebody, you care about somebody's time, then you're cheating on them. And mm-hmm. that's how they're going to treat you because that's what they see from you and how you treat their time. And, you know, I, I once had a conversation with a, a girl that like I went on a date with and I was like, look, I don't care that you're late or I don't care that you're doing like whatever. Like, I think what I care about is that you didn't communicate the time because you can't, I can't take my time back. Totally. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, like when I think about those things, yeah, this morning I was like, um, I was just, I was more afraid about oversleeping, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, or being <laughs> late, you know, which I was, which he was <laughs> about like Sorry. 10 minutes. But, um, you know, I was just like, I would never commit the time and then flake. Sure. Yeah. I, that's just like, because I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I owe it to not only my commitment to you, to Kino, to myself, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's one of those things where it's just like, if you just genuinely, like are in that space where you love yourself like you will find a way to treat yourself right because yeah i can post all the belly buckets i can post all the the workouts uh i can i can you know i oh we were with hino today but what does all that mean if i go to mcdonald's right now like what the fuck does that mean it's nothing that means my um car meter needs to be fed but (laughs) but um but yeah, that's really what it is, you know. I, I of course, like after playing basketball, um, five games last night, you know, putting down new belly buckets highlights, like, like <laughs> I gotta, <laughs> I'll, I'll explain it real quick, but <laughs> but well, like got fans now, so you like, got to put that out. I'm driving home for 50 minutes, like starving, like you know, because like and it's late. Like, what am I gonna go do? You know, fortunately enough, like I thought ahead and like had like half a sandwich or something like just to snack on on the drive home because I'm going to be up for a bit working anyway. But like if I didn't, if I wasn't prepared, if I wasn't having the mindset of like wanting the best for myself, then like who's who's holding me accountable if I don't go buy Del Taco? You know, that has the better hamburger of any fast food chain. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> Another thing we got to fact check. <laughs> what do they put in their air conditioning? Yeah, yeah. Yo. <laughs> Double Dell is better than any fast food burger in the game. No. Dude, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think, uh, well, for starters, I know we're, we're starting to land the plane here. Um, yeah. On our time. I, I definitely wanted to go out the same way we, we always do and, and ask because you have, you have such a, a long rap sheet. Um, the question I always like wind down on is if there's someone listening or out there and, and there's probably a lot of people now who come to you with, with a lot of questions who are just getting started. Yep. Or as we say are in the weeds right now of, you know, they could be buying their first turntable. They could be, you know, taking out their first set of t-shirts. They could just getting started and they're yeah. really in the weeds. 
what is what is the advice that you give? Um, I think I guess my my best piece of advice is just understand what your true goals are and instill the discipline that it will take for you to get there by eliminating distraction. Um, I think going back, and I'm really stuck on this more recently, but the balance sheet terminology and understanding what what events, what things you're putting in your life that are taken away from what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Because I, I really hate the whole like, oh, like whoever's in competition with you is working right now while you're out having a beer or whatever the hell, right? Mm-hmm. Some of that's true. But it's really highly dependent on what you're doing before and after that anyway. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, we're all human. Like, But if you have a goal and you want to reach it, it really just comes down to what decisions you make. And it's so simple. Mm-hmm. I used to think it, it was X, Y, Z, the whole fucking alphabet. But really it just comes down to like what do you decide to do and how do you want to get there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and really – Honestly, networking is really important. Time, I don't want to like overlook that. And the most thing, important thing about networking is not talking about business. Mm-hmm. It's getting to know the human being. It's being human, not fucking cold. This is how much I make. This is what I want to do. This is how you can help me. Like, no. Nah. Like, mm-hmm. be, make friends, make conversation, be human. Yeah. Dude, that's we didn't. I don't think we talked any business. The, the conversation we had up there. No, we know about each other's business. Yeah, perfectly well. Um, so I couldn't agree more. And I think in networking, it's in like personal networking. Yeah, social networking. Obviously, it couldn't be more popular. Probably is going to continue to be popular. Yeah. But I, I mean, our, our, our us sitting here, and I'm sure there's going to be a future where we don't know between us or or some way connectivity. Yeah. But it really stemmed from that personal. Networking because we were already socially net, like networked, yeah, so yeah, to speak. yeah, if you will, yeah. Um, so man, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, it's funny because I think it really ties us together, like my DJ side of my brand, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And really, like, like I don't think I've ever even asked for a gig, but it just like kind of happens because yeah. it's it's you're in that yeah. social like part of it, and we understand and i'm not an asshole i hope so like that helps Mm -hmm. right and so it's one of those things where like constantly like it just makes sense that you want to work with people that you understand and get along with and align with Mm -hmm. you know and so yeah it's good stuff man great stuff you got anything else before we no i'm just Dying to check this subway thing. It's <laughs> Star- bothering me. We got to go to Starbucks, Subway, and the Trifecta Del Taco. <laughs> so we're going to start walking. So bad. One of the three out there. Just trash. <laughs> just <laughs> garbage. Just garbage. Just garbage. Good uh, stuff, Mickey, man. Yeah, thanks, Mickey, man. Thank Mickey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Appreciate it. My man. <laughs>